People always talk about how do you become successful? Success comes from good judgment. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. The only way you're going to get experience, swing at the pitch. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Victor Brick. Victor has one of the more impressive resumes you will see, including being the CEO of Planet Fitness Growth Partners, the co-founder of Brick Bodies, and founder of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation in memory of Victor's oldest brother, John, who suffered from schizophrenia and died of complications from the disease. Victor is also an international business consultant and motivational speaker and is presented in over 25 countries around the world. He and his wife, Lynn, were both named as two of Maryland's top 50 most influential people. Through this episode, you will be inspired by Victor's story of grit and determination in business and also by his passion to uplift others, especially in the space of mental health. As always, please take time to rate, review, and especially subscribe to this podcast so that every new episode will get pushed to your phone automatically each week and you will help spread the impact that I hope to make through this podcast. Enjoy. Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Great, real pleasure to be here. Just based upon some text correspondences, I took down most of the Bills gear behind me in sensitivity of the Bills-Ravens results not too long ago. So I wanted to come off and make a strong first impression with you. So did the Ravens play the Bills? I can't even remember. Uh, good, good. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, this, will, this conversation will flow smoother because of uh, maybe some short-term memory loss. Yeah, uh, exactly. Victor, let's start with you, and and let's talk about maybe where you grew up and, and what type of athlete, what sports did you play as a kid? Uh, well, I, I grew up in Hawaii, and then I grew up in the D.C. area, and I played, my experience of football was the uh, the boys club, Silver Spring Boys Club, and I realized very early after I got a concussion in the fifth grade <laughs> that I wasn't cut out for football. So I played a lot of basketball, and I ran track, and I played basketball at Delaware, and I ran track at at Washington State University and at Delaware, I mean, at Towson. And the reason I went to three different schools was because I thought I was a lot better than I was. So I started <laughs> at basketball and, and things didn't work out and I blamed it on the coach. And I went to track because I've been recruited for track and things didn't work out. I blamed it on an injury and I was always blaming it on somebody else. And it wasn't until after I, I got out of college that I realized, you know, I was an okay athlete, but I wasn't what I thought I was. And I would have done better if I'd have just focused on me and how effective I could have been. But uh, the good thing is, is that I had that college experience and I did coach in the, at the college level. I coached basketball at Towson. And then my daughter played basketball and was an academic All-American at Maryland. And my son played at the Citadel and he's their basketball and he's the reason Steph Curry wears a mouthpiece. My son caught him with an elbow, split his jaw, and, and Curry, uh, Curry had to get a mouthpiece to, uh, so, so we, 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 the Bricks are a big basketball family and a big sports family and, and, and we, we, we love sports. That's great. You kind of picked on yourself for bouncing around. You can see a lot of guys transfer nowadays. It wasn't quite as common then. I would almost give you credit for not giving up and saying, you know what, this didn't work out. You pivoted so early and life's about transitions. And at such an early age, you were willing to transition and take a shot. Here, here's the thing, and you don't want to make excuses, but I did have a knee operation, and, and it did kind of change my, my trajectory. 
but I was determined to have that college athletic experience, and I had it. And I was also determined to be a good student, to, to graduate, to get my degree, and I did that. And I do joking, joke about it, but I am proud of the fact that I didn't just give up. And I was realistic with myself, and I got to a level where I could, quite frankly, I excelled at Towson, and I had a great experience because I was realistic about my, my ability at that time. Yeah, so. and analyzing your gifts and yeah. seeing where they fit and not giving up is what brings a lot of people to success in life. And go ahead, I see you, see you want to go. Well, well, you know, pardon me for butting in, but people ask me all the time, like you're doing now, because I've got some degree of success. Um, what's the most important thing for success? And it's said in dozens of different ways, but the new buzzword is grit. My dad used to say guts. Others say stick to this. But at the end of the day, most people quit in everything, sports, business, a marriage. They quit right before they're going to become successful. And you just got to suck it up. And you've got to have that grit. And you've got to be willing to wait your turn and you've got to be ready when it comes and then you take it. And too many people, especially today, instant gratification. Everybody is into instant gratification. So, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, looking back, I guess you could say I, I had grit and I sure I, I compromise, not been compromised, but I changed different dreams. But that's what happens in life. Different dreams. I had a buddy that was a pen relays champ in the high jump came out of Springbrook, which is where I went in the D.C. area, great athletic school, went to, uh, to Penn State or University of Pennsylvania as a high jumper and sprained his ankle really, really badly. And at one time, he was on trajectory to make the Olympic team. Wow. And he ended up becoming a high hurdler. He won the IC4As. So he was a great high hurdler, but he was not an Olympian. And we saw him once at church, and we said, Scott, how's it going? And he talked about the ankle and whatnot. His name was Scott Chatham. And we said, well, that's a real shame, you know, that you, you, know, you can't pursue your main event. And he said, new dreams, Victor, new dreams. And that really struck with me. Always have a dream, baby. Always have a dream. Got to have new dreams because sometimes first one doesn't work out. I was wondering how long it was going to be for me to tell the listeners to get out a pen and a piece of paper or start taking notes or, or maybe tune back into this when you're not in your car so you can take notes because Victor is going to bring a lot of nuggets like that. And the first one he brought was grit. It reminds me of a lot of the John Gordon material now. He was a previous right. guest on the show, become a buddy and, and someone who I've, I've always looked up to. He actually got me started on my reading journey, which is now you know, at least one book, generally a couple books a month. And I, I credit the energy bus for kind of giving me the first love for maybe nonfiction books and, and being a true learner. And I love how you talked about grit right now. And Victor's going to bring a whole lot to the conversation today. So uh, everybody get ready for these nuggets. And, and you talked about a dream. I heard it recently. Someone said to me, your present gets better when your dreams and your vision of your future becomes bigger than your past. When you can have a dream, now your present is better. Maybe that anxiety, maybe that woe feeling, maybe the time that COVID has you in or whatever transition uh, in life, disappointment you felt, whatever you have going, if your dreams and your vision become bigger, watch your present become better. You know, most things in life, most things are old wine in new bottles. And people just recycle 
say it a little differently, make it a little more relevant to today's lexicon and today's jargon and today's hot buttons, but it's the same story because the things that make success a thousand years ago with Moses and Abraham and with Julius, you know, go back and are the same things, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, and it's time horizons. And there's an expression, the purpose person with the furthest time horizons wins. Michelangelo and Da Vinci's time horizons was 500 years. These guys were designing, uh, Michael, uh, uh, Da Vinci designed, I believe it was Da Vinci, designed a helicopter. This, and it would have worked, except he didn't have a power source big enough. He thought man could do it with his feet. But if he had the power source, it was, of course, an engine. The design was, you know, so the person with the furthest, and what is that saying, really? Start with the end in mind. Who said start with the end in mind? I think it was uh, uh, Napoleon Hill. What's, you're saying the same thing. And right. that is the future. Um, it's all about the size of the dream. It said 50 different ways. It's all about the size of the dream. And the bigger the dream, the bigger the action at the present. But here's the thing. Three frogs were sitting on a log in the middle of a lake. Two decided to jump in. How many were left? One. Most people would say one, and the answer is all three, because they only talked about it. And that's the problem with most people. Yeah, they got this dream, and they're going to rule the world, and it's way out there 20 years from now, but it's just a dream. And until you take it, you write it down, you because, and you work backwards and say, come up with the win philosophy. Do you know what the win philosophy is? What's that? What's important now? Mm. What's important now? Start today for what's important now for that dream. And you there's, a, there's strategy and there's tactics. The dream's to win the Super Bowl. Hey, what's important now? Get in the weight room, baby. Get out on the track. Start doing the reps. Start doing you. So many people, everybody dreams about winning the Super Bowl. How many guys do what it takes? So it's that concept, again, of the frogs just talking about it, putting it into play and having a dream so compelling, especially in business. They have what's called a BHAG, and I was told the other day we were working on the BHAG for John W. Brickman, the Health Foundation, which we'll talk about later, and somebody said, oh, the BHAG's out of, uh, it's old-fashioned, it's dated, nobody, nobody, it doesn't motivate anybody anymore, and like I said, you just got to take the old wine and put it in a new bottle, so we call it the vision, you know, vision, BHAG, but the big BHAG is the big, hairy, audacious goal, big, very audacious goal. And a BHAG for a company is supposed to be so compelling that it would drive the company forward whether the founder was there or not. If some, well, look, look, Apple's, I mean, uh, uh, Jobs is gone. And Apple is still surging forward. Uh, Ray Kroc's gone. And McDonald's is still, sir, because they have these, but, but Disney is gone. Disney's BHAG is to bring entertainment to the masses. When you think of entertainment, who do you think of? Disney. Can anybody compare with Disney? I mean, some others try and they do a pretty good job, but there's only one Disney. His, his BHAG was so compelling that it's driving his company forward, even when he's gone. Here's the funny thing about Disney. 
talk about grit. Disney was fired, uh, was not hired for a, for a job as a as a uh, illustrator for the Los Angeles Times. You know what they said? Very little talent and no imagination. Wow! <laughs> wow! Look it up. Google it. Google Walt Disney. No, very little talent, no imagination. Abraham Lincoln lost his first seven elections. First seven. I mean, grit, grit, grit. You got to have a vision and you just got to keep going and you got to do what's important now. And if you want to become president of the United States like Lincoln did, first important thing is become a state legislator. The second thing is become a, a, a congressman. And, and, and you got to get elected to do that. And, and seven times he was defeated, but he didn't give up. So much gold in there, Victor. So much gold. Let's, let's backtrack a touch. And, and we're getting to understand your mindset, your mental makeup, which made you successful in any industry that you were going to get into. But you got into the fitness industry. Talk about how, what, what attracted to you to that industry in the first place. And then talk about the development throughout your time uh, in that industry? Okay, so again, starting with the end in mind so people know where I am today, I'm the largest privately held operator of Planet Fitness Clubs in the Planet Fitness system. I've got 80 Planet Fitness Clubs, I've got a chain of my own clubs, Brick Bodies, which was what, how we started. So I've got 80, 80 to 85 clubs, depending on the state of the construction. And, and I started as a recreation director at 19, $20,000 a year, my wife was a nurse making a third again more than I was. And how did it happen? I wish I could say that I started with the end in mind, but I didn't, I fell into it. And it was just some luck. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And sometimes it's better to be in the right place at the right time. But here's the thing. Most of us, all of us, all of us are in the right place at the right time. Right. We just don't realize it. And we don't, we see the ship out there and it doesn't come towards us, just keeps going parallel to the shore and we keep waiting for it to come in. Some of us, like myself, swim out to get it. So here I am, this recreation director making 20,000 a year. I'm coaching basketball for an extra couple of thousand. I'm refereeing basketball for $12 a game. I'm teaching tennis for 30 bucks a game and I'm teaching group exercise classes in junior college physical education classes. I got a master's degree in exercise physiology. I had five jobs. And then back, then the, the spring came around, basketball ended, refereeing ended, college ended. I got to look for extra income. And I averaged, I, 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 I answered an ad for an aerobic instructor at a club. I went, I was terrible. I said, God, they're going to fire me because I thought it was going to be running, biking, swimming, stuff I'd done in college. Right. I got, I, I recruited my wife who was a dancer. Next thing you know, she's built that thing up from 20 women in this aerobic class at this health club in a racquetball court to 50 and four classes, six classes a day. And that's when I realized, my God, we got something. I got a superstar here. I got Tom Brady of aerobics. I got a little business. <laughs> and I started a business. I'm telling you, Eric, we were making 300 bucks a month. Cash money, profit, 300. God, it didn't get any better than that. She was teaching all these classes. We would rent racquetball court space around Baltimore. She'd teach these classes and we'd charge $40 a month. We were just making money hand over. And then she went and got pregnant. I mean, are you kidding me? My superstar goes and gets pregnant. And she's teaching all the classes 20 a week. And that's when I said to myself, this is when that ship was going parallel to the land. 
And I said to myself, we could go back to me working as a nurse, Lynn, take maternity leave, give up on this part-time aerobic business and just have this baby, our daughter, Vicki, or we could get serious. And there's only one way to get serious in the fitness industry at the time. And that was get into the health club business and buy a club. So when you're really, when you're young, newly married, and you really need money, who are you going to go to? Who are you going to go to when you really need money when you're young? Mom and dad, if they got it. You got, of course, mom and dad. <laughs> My dad gave me 125,000. We bought Fredonia Fitness Center, almost went broke twice in the, in the first, well, probably five times over the course of the club, but twice in the first two years, but that's where the grit came and I could tell you story after story. I, I once got down on my hands and knees and prayed for a $29,000 check to pay for the roof because it was raining. And within five minutes, a check came from a refund for insurance for $30,000. Wow. And it was just story after story like that. And somehow here we are today. But it got to a point where I realized this is the business I love. And I had quit at Delaware. I had quit at Washington State. I wasn't going to quit in the health club business. And that's when I, I realized this is where you got to make your stand. I've heard you speak many times and, and I absolutely love your story. And there's a lot of different directions because there's so many valuable lessons that I've heard you talk about in business. One of them that I tend to speak on a lot when I speak or through my podcast is surrounding yourself with the right people. Obviously, you and your wife, Lynn, that's a partnership. Talk about the importance of in life and in business, surrounding yourself with the right people. So I'll, I'll go one better with that and talk about how sports and business are interrelated and life. And Perfect. the thing that I found out to my um, disappointment is how many people do not translate what they learn on the athletic field in, in, into the business world and even into their life. And most of the time it's because they're very talented athletes and they didn't have to learn the tough lessons. That, a, that an average athlete had to learn in terms of the hard work and in terms of needing better teammates. I wasn't any good as a point guard. I wasn't any good unless I had good players that I could make better. If I could make somebody better, then I have value. But if I couldn't, I wasn't going to get 20 on people. That's just not, you know, five, 10 point guard anchor. That ain't going to happen. And that's how it is in business. You want people around you that you can make better and that have the talent and you just got to let them play. And I've built businesses two ways. I built brick bodies where I would grow people to the business. And as they matured, we moved them up. And, I, and, and, and in 25 years, we went from one club to six. And I decided with Planet, I was going to put together this team. And we were going to put the money in place. And we were going to grow the business to the people. And in 14 years, 13 years, we went from zero clubs to 80. Because they asked John Wooden, greatest basketball coach, greatest coach, you know, it's, it's arguable now everybody's talking about uh, Saban and then you can't argue with that. But, but, but John Wooden is considered by many the greatest coach, period, of all time. Who are the greatest, great, greatest best coaches you coached against? And he said, why the ones with the best players, of course. Right. <laughs> and, and you need players. And if I'm the CEO of a pretty large company, I never feel like I'm the smartest guy. If you feel like you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Now, I'm the one that's going to make the final decision. And I'm the one that distills everything. And somebody has got to be make the call. 
but I don't feel I'm the smartest guy in the room. And if you feel like you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the room room. And quite frankly, that's why I get on these calls with you, Eric. And with I was on a call with a guy I didn't even know yesterday. And I've got a bunch of people right and left and a dude podcast. So many people have helped me along the way. And I just want to pass it on. And you'd be shocked at how many people would be willing to help you. Some in a very formal way. We, we put together the John W. York Mental Health Foundation, which we'll talk about shortly, and put together this board of directors and, and non, non-paying board. And the people that have agreed to get on it are amazing because they want to put a dent in the universe. Your BHAG, if your BHAG is compelling enough, or if your heart is big enough and you're sincere enough, people will help you. But uh, too late, you become too wise. I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but I, I'll leave it with one phrase here, and then we go on to the, the, the next question. People always talk about what's, how do you become successful? Success comes from good judgment. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. The only way you're going to get experience, swing at the pitch. <laughs> Get knocked on your ass <laughs> as a little, little peewee football player and realize whether you got to cut out for football or not. As much as possible, you want to avoid too much bad judgment. Right. Because over time, it becomes much more costly. So that's where you benefit from others who have been there, done that. And I used to be a consultant, go around and pretend I knew stuff and people pay me pretty good money. And I had a, had a tie that came down to my second button and a polyester coat that the, the lapels turned up. And I'm, no joke, I would walk around with an empty briefcase because I thought it made me look so official. <laughs> Telling people stuff I'd read in books, good to great, you know, seven habits, and, and just quoting others. And then I realized I was faking it. I was what I would call a poser, kind of like the football guy that he looks great in his pads and his helmet, but his uniform's never dirty because he never hits anybody. He's a poser. And I took off a consultant for about 15 years until I did something. And now I feel like I've done something and I can speak from experience because it's so easy just to speak from somebody else's experience. So you talked about if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Lucky for me in my own house, I'm not the smartest one. My (laughs) wife is much smarter than me. But even in addition to that, I always want to learn from people. To your point, if you can learn from others' experiences too, then you can kind of speed up that process. Then maybe you don't have to step on that same landmine that someone else did. And that's, you know, your job. That's, That's something you should do as a functioning member of society, of, of someone who wants to make a greater impact is helping people along the way. That's part of the reason I started this podcast was to learn from others because I didn't know what was on the other side of what's next for me as my career was ending. And I got to have conversations with people like yourself that in this day and age of technology, you can be in Miami right now, I can be in Louisville, Kentucky, and we can have this conversation. I can learn from you and others can learn as well from a platform that I got through sports, but now we're getting business lessons, sports lessons, life lessons. And that's the beauty of individuals like yourself who are willing to pass along those life experiences, which I'm so grateful for. We've mentioned it twice now, and it's the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. And it's an honor of your brother. Tell the story of starting this foundation and the impact that you hope to have in this space. So I've already told you about the Brick Bodies and Planet Fitness and that 
that's a growing business that we're very proud of and is making a big difference. But at the end of the day, everyone should have want to leave a legacy and leave the world a better place. And what we, my wife and I, hope to be known for at the end of the day is the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. And the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is named after my brother, John, my oldest brother, John, who suffered from schizophrenia his entire life. And in all the years of treatment, often in the finest hospitals in the country, never once would he, was he put on a fully integrated program that included holistic lifestyle choices such as exercise, nutrition, and mind-body practices in conjunction with traditional medication, hospitalization, and, and institutionalization, and psychoanalysis. It was always just the latter three. And I always knew there was a better way. And the more I got into fitness, the more I realized there was. And my brother eventually died from complications of the disease due mostly, I'm convinced, to medication, not to the disease. And it was because our, my parents, and I love them dearly, but they were old school. And they abdicated the health and well-being of their son to the medical community at his uh, detriment. And the new concept in mental health, in, in the health field, it's called wellness. And you have self-care and you have health care. And think of the yin and the yang, where the black is half and the white's half. Self-care is what you do for yourself and your support system does for yourself. Without, let's call it the black with a white circle in there for some health care. And health care is traditional medicine. You, you, you need open heart surgery. I mean, you know, the, the, you need more health care. So the health care and they balance each other. And that's the way it needs to be. So the, the uh, vision of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is to get holistic approaches such as exercise, nutrition and mind-body practices integrated into the mental health, mental wellness delivery system. So it becomes the upstream interventions. You wanna look at, at, at mental health going from let's say a 10 happiness to a one depression and severe depression and even suicide. And people move up and down this continuum based on their psychology, physiology, and psychology, uh, uh, their, their uh, life events. But they also, there's also a dual continuum called the uh, salutogenic continuum, which is lifestyle. And somebody like my brother, if this was a 10, happiness, and hopefully you and I are back, are like eight, nines, and tens, my brother was always gonna be a one, two, or three. It's very schizophrenia. But he could thrive, he could prosper as a schizophrenic with the right lifestyle choices as opposed to flounder. So there's flourishing and languishing. He languished when he could have flourished. So that's our goal. And how do we do that? We do it by funding research, promoting, developing and promoting programs and services, and serving as a collaborative hub for how holistic approaches benefit mental health. And uh, we, we are funding a huge uh, gold standard study with the University of California, San Francisco, determining how positive stress in the form of the Wim Hof method. Do you know Wim Hof, the Iceman and the breathing I, and all that? I did the breathing earlier today, actually. Okay, there you go. How the Wim Hof method 
high intensity interval training and mind body, how the three of them affect depressive symptoms and which one's most effective. And, and the findings are about to be published. And I think people are going to be shocked. But here's the thing about all this, and I know I'm get, starting to get a little technical and I'll tie it up. Most people think if you're under stress, you want to reduce stress, whether it be a bad ankle, so give them a cane, whether it be a, uh, you know, uh, they, they can't stand up straight, so you're going to reach and get that thing for your mother, and whether it be anxiety and depression, give them a drug. And, what you and what, so what happens when you start doing things for the body? What does the body do? If you were a little down. kid and your parents start doing things for you, what are you going to do? You don't learn to do them. You don't you adapt to You shut down. You become less capable. And that's what the body does and what the mind does. What you want to do is put people under positive stress. I had an ankle that they said needed to be fused from my, my basketball and running career. They need to fuse my ankle. There was no way they're going to fuse my ankle. I've never known anybody that said an ankle fused that liked it. I started doing yoga. I started doing plyometric training. I got a stem cell shot. I'm walking again. I'm getting ready to do a track workout. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I got through that pain to where my, I started breaking up that scar tissue. Now, this positive stress, too far on the one side, it's negative stress. It's too stressful. Shin splints, aggravation, arthritis, and, and not enough stress you might as well, like these people that walk their dog leisurely and they think they're getting cardio, that's not positive stress. You're going to walk, walking's fine, but walk. Walk with a sense of purpose. And if you're, you're going to walk your dog as, as well, drag it along. Don't let it dictate, don't let, dogs are the only animals that have successfully domesticated me. <laughs> and you will see people walking their dog and they're, I guarantee if they're wearing a, a heart rate monitor, their heart rate's not getting any higher than if they were standing still. So if you're walking your dog because you like to do it, that's fine. But if you think you're getting exercise, unless you get into that positive stress area, it isn't going to happen. And drugs prevent you. You tell me, when you're drugged, does the body work harder or does it relax more? And of course, it relaxes more. So you're, you're, you're not getting any positive stress. There is a time and a place for medication for sure. But again, upstream, it's holistic, salutogenic processes. As you move downstream, that's when you may need medical, traditional medical interventions, depending on the stress levels. Yeah, I love everything you're talked about. When you mentioned your last point about medication, I can sit and watch TV for about 30 minutes before I feel like I need to get up and do something stretch. I, I've been injured. I had six lower body surgeries throughout my NFL career, and they would give you painkillers afterwards. I got in trouble after my first leg break in 20, 2009, trying to wean myself off of them too much, right. too early. I did the Joe Theismann leg break and thought all I had heard about was how addicted these painkillers are. So I tried to wean myself off really early, just knowing there's a history of addiction within my family. Well, then I went back to the hospital because of shock. So I trusted their protocols a little bit more. Moving forward, I would take these painkillers and I could watch TV for eight hours. That's mm -hmm. so against my personality. Right. That's not who I am. That's how I'm engraved. But they, they would make me lazy. They, they would make me be able to sit in front of a TV. And, and I love what you're doing especially in this day and age, especially now with COVID time, mental health issues are skyrocketing. The amount of people taking these surveys that are saying that they've contemplated suicide in the past year 
are just through the roof. If you want to, expand. well, I'll give you some. I'll give you some statistics on that. First, in terms of painkillers, if you take a painkiller, what that allows you to do, unfortunately, is to go into negative stress because you don't feel the pain. So you're on the other side of the stress. Emotionally, it makes you feel like a a, 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 a depressant, antidepressant, so that you calm down. But it pushes you, and that's what you hurt yourself. So you've got to be in that positive stress, too little stress, nothing, but too much stress. Steroids will allow you to do that. Painkillers will allow you to put too much stress because you don't feel the pain. So that's, you, you had it both ways. Getting back to the, to the statistics, suicides in the United States have doubled. I guarantee you, you mark my words, I will go on record to say in the next 10 years, there will be more deaths by suicide in the United States than by COVID. Wow. And I said by COVID. I didn't say with COVID. I will argue this to anybody and people are going to say, oh, I hate my, by COVID. 50% of Americans, normally in any given year, 24% of Americans have some type of plan. And this is worldwide statistics, but I'm using the U.S. 24% of Americans have some type of clinically diagnosed mental health issue. It is now at 45%. Wow. 45%. And we don't even know the extent because most people are staying home. And as you know, it's, it's uh, also still a stigma for some people to say they're having mental health issues. Plus, it's not always covered by insurance. So what I'm saying is that they're call, talking about the next pandemic is the mental health pandemic, and it will last long after. COVID has passed. We will recover from COVID in two to three years. The mental health issues that some of these 18 and 19 year olds are facing because they've lost their youth will last. Think about losing your senior year in high school, Eric. Think about that. You would wake up at night sometimes wondering what you, what, what woulda, coulda, shoulda. The, these kids have lost two years of their life and people think it's easy. It's easy when you're 50. It really is. I mean, the older you get, the other years just fly off. But most people forgot what it was like to be a teenager. Right. And the two areas that are suffering the most are young adults because they're losing their youth and men because men are, tend to hold it in. They tend to cut, cut, uh, tough it up and they tend to be, uh, um, try to be warriors and not share their feelings. The two most important things for sound mental health, two most important, connectivity, in other words, socialization, coping skills. You're taking all these people that don't have a clue about how to handle their mental health, and you're telling them to stay home, don't talk to anybody, wear a mask where you go out, and for God's sake, don't say hello to anybody because they might kill you if they breathe on you. It's pathetic. And then they, and it's just getting, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, a, a tsunami of mental health issues. Yeah. So, so if you look at that connectivity and coping skills, women are great with connectivity. They're always keep taking and, but men sometimes I'll gut it out. I don't need to reach out for, for help. Nobody's, I don't know too many guys calling their buddy up saying, man, I'm feeling terrible. Can well, yeah, well, you, well, you talk about it with me? They, that's not the way men, they'll call them, talk about the Super Bowl and pretend nothing's happened. Right. And, and, and unfortunately, they're falling apart inside.
This episode is also brought to you by Punched Energy Chews, and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness. They use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies, and they start with pure green Arabica coffee bean caffeine. It improves your physical and mental performance, increases your metabolism, helps burn calories and body fat, and they also help boost your immunity, which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin C. They're also ultra low glycemic, no spikes, no bounces, and no crashes. What you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com, use code ericwood20 for 20% off. Give them a try, link in the show notes. So for those out there right now that are facing, you know, the toughest struggles of your life, and and you talk about where I would be my senior year of high school if it would have got taken away, I didn't get a football scholarship till after the football season, my senior year during basketball season. Nowadays, most of the scholarships have already been given away. I didn't get offered a scholarship to then. If our basketball season got canceled, if our football season got canceled my senior year, I'd never make it to Louisville. I'd never marry the girl of my dreams. I'd never make it to the NFL. There's no question where I'd be. And maybe God would have some crazy plan where I still would make it and there, but there's no guarantees there. My life would be tremendously different for the, so for those out there, which for many people, this is the toughest thing that they've ever dealt with through their lives, whether it's been loss of a loved one, whether it's been loss of a career, a job, social connections, what are some actionable steps on a day-to-day basis that you recommend to create that positive stress. I know you said working out the Wim Hof method, maybe two or three that people could just start to implement to create some daily morning habits maybe. So the first thing is to understand that a vigorous, vigorous, not not casual, a vigorous exercise workout bout, 45 minutes or longer, is the equivalent of an entry-level dose of Zoloft. It's what you give people uh, that are, are depressed. It's a mood elevator. So work out vigorously at least two to three times a week vigorously enough to get your endorphins flowing you've heard a runner's high because of the endorphins most things in in health are dictated by hormones serotonin and uh uh serotonin the other happy drug i I always get get, you know so much roll around in my head but anyway you want to you want to stimulate your hormones so work out vigorously you've got to have a routine. The most important thing, and you look at, you hate to, to talk in these terms, but when you're in quarantine, you've got to look at people that have been in quarantine or been prisoners of war or been in solitude. And the, and the ones that make it, they get on a routine. They, they're disciplined. They watch what they eat. They exercise. You've heard of the prisoners of war that are doing push-ups and, and, and they're playing golf with each other mentally and they're keeping their mind active. So you keep your mind active, you keep your body active, you eat right, you get on a routine, you reach out to your friends. I started three different Zoom groups with three different groups of people, and we were Zooming once a week. Now, most of the people are, are no longer totally shut down, and so you can get out, but get out and meet. And ideally, you meet in person, but you can't meet in person, you, you, you meet by a Zoom. And, and remember, connectivity and coping skills. The connectivity, most people, I think can come up with ways to stay connected. The coping skills, you've got to become an active reader. Think of in terms of the self-care, healthcare. The only way you can do self-care is if you know what you're doing. So look at me. And I'm, you know, pretty, pretty knowledgeable guy. I hired a yoga instructor to teach me yoga. I didn't know what I was doing. I went just pot around with it. Now, do you have to have a 
private yoga instructor? No, you can go online and, 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 and get a private yoga instructor. Take a yoga class. You can go to gym. Most of the gyms are open. You can get into Planet Fitness for, you know, 10 bucks a month. Get a vigorous workout. We, we got some, you know, phenomenal. Everybody thinks Planet because we're so affordable is, is not really conducive to serious workouts. We, we, we have no judgment. And when we say no judgment, we've got people 400 pounds in there. We've got people who bench 400 pounds. Our only requirement is you got to be nice. We only right. want nice people. So, so start doing your homework and finding out what are some things you can do on a five, you know, an hour phone call. I can't give you that. A Zoom, I can't give you much more than point you in the right direction. But... Uh, Think in terms of salutogenic lifestyle choices. I, I don't want to um, uh, criticize um, professionals, professions, but like I said, you want to think in terms of positive stress and you want to think in terms of things you can do before you start looking at the healthcare and getting to where others are telling you what to do. And I'll give people some books they can read at, at the end here, but, uh, but you really have to become, I think the one, the best thing to come out of COVID is everyone, whether they accept it or not, they, or whether they, it changes their behavior or not, everyone acknowledges that if you're in better shape, you're more resistant, not just to COVID, to pathogens. Pathogens are germs. And this is what, we got to stop treating COVID as if it's the only pathogen. Healthy people get sick less often, period, end of sentence. COVID will be gone. There will be another pathogen. Then what? Close everything down again? Wait two years for a, 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 a vaccine? Eric, it's taken two years for us to get a vaccine, buddy. Right. What's going to happen the next time around if we're not healthy? People scoff at this herd mentality. It ain't herd mentality, it's fitness. The more people are fit physically and mentally, the more resilient they are to pathogens, period, end of sentence. That being said, you gotta wear masks during these things, you gotta uh, keep your distancing, all those things, yes. But there will be another pathogen. And heaven help us, if we do what we did with this one, because we, we can't, the society can't do this every four or five years. It just can't. Right. And I think everybody will agree with that. That That's excellent stuff. So much that people could take away from that as far as getting the routine, connecting, getting in shape, filling your mind with positivity and, and what you're filling it with each day. And we're going to get into some recurring questions. Go ahead. Okay. I'll, I'll give you two ex uh, uh, concrete examples of, of what to do. One is by Hayden Hurst. You know Hayden Hurst, tight end for the, Ra for the Ravens? Yes. Suffered from mental health issues. He worked with us on the, on the Never Alone Summit. He started journaling. It was so bad. This was an NFL player, and he could not go out besides the games. He was just so anxious. He couldn't go out in public. He started journaling, and it just kind of got control of his emotions and calmed him down. So start journaling. Start journaling and get control of yourself. And the second thing is along with the journal, document what you're doing. You'll think you're getting a lot of exercise. You think you're eating right. There's a reason why you're not in your fighting shape. There's a reason why you're not at your fighting college weight. 
And the answer is you, you're eating, you don't even realize you're eating. Start journaling and then cut out the basics. Sugar's a killer. It's an inflammant and it, uh, it, it uh, plays havoc with energy levels. So sugar's gotta go. So if you're gonna eat anything, eat dark chocolate and very little. And uh, of course, limit alcohol. And one drink a day, it's not a, it's okay as long as it's not hard alcohol, you know, wine or champagne. Champagne, by the way, is the, the least alcoholic and the least sugar of almost any alcoholic beverage. And, and then finally, uh, know what, what, what inflammates are and avoid them. Things like red meat is an inflammate. Carbohydrates are an inflammate. You, you, I, I can give them to you now, but you can go online and Google them as easy as I can. And they, there's lists. And, and so get control. Again, the self-care. Get control of your life. Be the hammer. Don't be the nail. <laughs> heard that many times. Many uh, times. You're, you're often, you're often I heard that. that. I heard that as a nine, ten year old, hundred and five pound peewee football player. Beat a hammer. Don't beat a nail. I was always the nail, man. They were teeing off on me. Well, they tell us at old lineman to go be the hammer, and then tell us to pass block eighty percent of the time. And I said, how are we supposed to be the hammer <laughs> if we're pass blocking and we're retreating? I love that's it. why. That's why you put the crazies on defense. You know that. Come on. Right. Exactly. We're going to get through some recurring questions, some quick hitters. Um, the first one will allow you to make a book suggestion. What's your favorite book or your favorite book to recommend? Well, the favorite book, of course, is, is the Bible. It's, it's the book that it, it's, it's unbelievable how many people haven't read it. They think they know what's in it. And I'm not just talking from a philosophical and a religious point of view. I'm talking about anything you want to know about management is in there. Everything I've told you is in there. But beyond the Bible... I would say Sun Tzu's The Art of War. And the funny thing is, there was a time, I don't know if it's the time any longer, but there was a time, those were the two most read business books in the world. And what did I do? Well, if all them smart guys are doing it, I'm gonna read it too. So read Sun Tzu's The Art of War, and if you haven't read the Bible, read the Bible. I'll knock out The Art of War soon. Um, I read the Bible cover to cover a few years ago, uh, very well versed, but I, I, I always just felt like if something's gonna be the foundation of my life, I knew to have at least read a cover to cover once, even though I may not yeah. go back through right. numbers. I might not read right. numbers again straight through. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to read it. You've mentioned it a few times, but what role does your faith play in your life? Um, I think it was Vince Lombardi said it best. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> now, <laughs> Jim Valvano said that when he was addressing Syracuse basketball team, your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. But you got to have an anchor. Otherwise, you're making, you're making stuff up as you go. And mm-hmm. my anchor is my faith. And I see everything through my faith. And it's pretty clear. Some things are, 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 are varying shades of gray, but that's where what people don't realize about Christianity, especially Christianity, there's a forgiveness factor. You do not get into heaven because you're better than anybody else. I sin all the time. I mean, you know, and we all, and that's the, that's the thing, but you try, you just try, you try to do your best. You, on a, on a, how many blocks did you miss in your time? How many passes? Have you, but you try and that's all you can do. That's all you can ask for. So the faith, my faith is my cornerstone of, of my life. And, and it's, the filter by which I see everything and then my family tied in my faith and my wife, my wife and my family. 
Yeah, if people ever point out to me maybe sins in my life and say, you know, you're a Christian, but yeah, yeah. then I say, yeah. no, 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 that's fine. I will never be perfect. I'm just pointing uh, you towards someone who was. Yeah, exactly. Is. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I will never say I was perfect. And I will say this, I've been married 42 years and it's three of the best years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. What was your first car? First car was a Ford Falcon. Beautiful car dated Lynn in it, my wife, put the carpet and the radio in myself, gave it to my brother, John, the one with schizophrenia. He was so wired at the time. And we thought that it was just nerves. We didn't realize it was clinically sick. So anyway, he drives it to Montgomery College in Montgomery County, runs in to take a test, leaves the keys in it and the engine on. And we found it burned in a field three days later. They didn't even want the car. They just took my beautiful Ford Falcon. They took for a joyride and burned in a field. Oh, man. Oh. And I love that Ford Falcon. I'm, I'm sorry. Generally, that always brings up a fond memory. I brought up a bad one. I apologize. Yeah. At least yeah, I got it was, a, It's not hard to get a smile out of Victor. But, oh, it, it, but at it's least a I funny, got a smile with the story. It's a funny John story. Can you imagine running in and leaving the car on, the keys in the car on? Oh, um, I'm interested to know, you're, you're very well-traveled, but um, one of Maryland's uh, residents, what's your favorite restaurant? I'm interested if it's a crab cake. Uh, my favorite crab cake is Michael's, which is three miles from our house. My favorite restaurant is um, one of the Smith brothers, uh, the uh, restaurants downtown, and... Uh, but, but down here, my favorite restaurant is Mila's in Miami Beach. Gotcha. So, we were down there last weekend. We didn't make it to Mila's. Yeah. We'll have to put that one in the list. Yeah, you got to go to Mila's, yeah. All right, last one for Mila's you. Mila's or Milo's, either one. Mila's is more uh, Mediterranean and Mila's is more fusion. Mila's gotcha. is, is famous, yeah. Last one, this podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood. I want to know what's next for Victor Brick. Well, we've, we've um, started opening clubs in Australia, Planet Clubs, and that's the next big frontier. So we're going to do, we're going to do huge things there. And we're going to blow out the John W. Brick. Uh, <clears throat> we're getting ready to work with a couple of organizations and doing things with veterans and doing research on PTSD and how exercise uh, can affect, uh, can be, uh, and, and healthy lifestyle can, can help veterans with PTSD. And what we really want to do long term with the with the John W. Brick is have a certification for health professionals to get certified in mental wellness so that you'll go into a gym and a personal trainer won't just train you for bigger arms and bigger shoulders, but they'll train you for mental wellness as well. Now we really want to get away from mental health, mental illness, to mental wellness. Wouldn't that be pretty cool if the John W. Brick was the, found, the, the certification program for hospitals, for uh, go government agencies, for teachers? You know, every teacher is certified in CPR. Every teacher should be certified in the John W. Brick mental wellness protocols because teachers are often the first one to pick this up in kids. And one of the casualties of COVID, teachers used to pick up 50%, 50% of child abuse cases. Wow. Now, none of the kids are in class. Guess how much child abuse has dropped? It's dropped 95%. Are you telling me that 
it's really dropped 95. They're just not being reported. Right. It's, it's, it, it, mm. it would make, it, it's, it, it's tragic what's going on. It, there's so many, uh, 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 so much collateral damage with all this that, that will, again, only become prevalent three to five years from now. Being abused as a eight, 10 year old kid because you can't go to school and your dad's frustrated being at home and drinking too much. And oh, that might manifest itself 30 years from now, 20 years from now. So, what, what a way you're leaving a legacy through you and Lynn and in memory of your brother. What, a, what an incredible deal. If people want to donate, and, and you've shared a lot of gifts, you've given a lot of gifts out through this podcast. If someone okay. wanted to gift, your foundation in a big or small way, how do they go about doing that? They would go to the johnwbrickfoundation.org. Go to our website, the whole story's there, what we're doing, the, or the, the groups that we're supporting, the research we're doing, and it's the johnwbrickfoundation.org. And we would, it, it's gonna take major capital. The, the one thing you know, everybody in this, listening to this and everybody in the world knows it takes money to, to, to do things. And, uh, and we're hoping that we get people um, people will open their hearts to this this issue because at one time it was a closet issue and now it's mainstream it is and and you set the groundwork years ago for for this time when mental health is on the rise and another true instance of of you being you know a lighthouse that people can go to you being a trendsetter uh, you started in fitness now now you were just ahead in the mental health space I, I've been a huge fan of yours for a while. I'm so glad we got to connect here today. I'm so glad to introduce you to any listeners on my podcast who have not got to hear from you already. Where can people find you uh, social media wise? Social media, they can find me on Facebook and they can find me on uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. I don't even know what my, my handle or whatever any of that is. Uh, those three areas. And uh, they can contact me directly at uh, Victor at PF Growth without the O.com. Victor at PF Growth without the O.com. Victor, I can't thank you enough for your words, the impact that this is going to have on all those listening. Thanks again for your time and coming on the podcast. Well, it was a real pleasure. And I'll just leave with one story to, to close. When I, one of the reasons I went to Washington State was I was actually kind of following a high school girlfriend. So I went from Delaware to Washington State and that didn't work out. And then my- I thought there may be girls involved. Yeah, yeah, always, always. And then I, then I, my knee was, you know, I had a knee. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm not able to compete out there and, and I've got to come back to, to Maryland. But they closed the campus for Thanksgiving, Washington State, I'm home in Washington, they closed the campus. And I had nowhere to go because I didn't have the money to come back to DC. And this, uh, this uh, football player, James Green, took me in. And I went back with him to Seattle and stayed with his mother. And it was one of the most uh, memorable weeks I've ever had living with them as their family. I went to the largest Southern Baptist church in, in the American Northwest. And Lou Rawls, the famous singer, sang the invocation. It was just an experience like nothing else. And when it was over, the weekend, and we're going back to Washington State, I tried to pay Mrs. Green for her generosity. And she, she said, just pass it on, child, just pass it on. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So to everybody listening here, all I can tell them is, just pass it on, child, just pass it on. 
But I will say this, I now have 10 clubs in Washington and I reconnected with that young lady that wouldn't talk to me when I went out there and she's married and I'm married. And we, we actually, the four of us go out to dinner and everything. So it does have a happy ending. <laughs> How about that? What a way to end it. Pass it on. And I love pass it. it on, and pass I, and, it on child. And I'll try and do the same. And I will give you and Mrs. Green credit for that as well. Thanks, Victor. Yeah, there you go. All righty. Have a great day, everyone. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.